Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuckers Bryant. And that makes this a very um, congested episode of yeah. Stuff You Should Know, right? Yeah. We were just reminiscing about the, uh, what was it, Ought 8 or I 9? I don't remember. Probably 09, when Josh was sick for like... <laughs> I said he was sick for a season, and that's really not too far off. Yeah, but Yumi recently pointed out that I wasn't sick at all last year, yeah. and I don't think I've ever not been sick for a year. So it has to do probably with taking better care of myself, not smoking. Probably. I get the stomach thing. I don't usually get regular sick. Yeah, you do get stomach pain. It's like when once, you do, it's once like, a year, man. It's, it's not awful. even like a bug. It's like a staph of infection or <laughs> Ebola of the stomach or something horrible like that. Yes, it is yeah. gross. So uh, I, are you willing to muddle through this one with me sounding like this? I think people can forgive that. We needed to get this one out <clears throat> in time for yeah. the September 11th anniversary. Yeah, the 10th anniversary of the September 11th attacks um, on the World Trade Center. Uh, the attack, uh, well, the plane that went down, Flight 93 in yeah. Pennsylvania. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Um, and then uh, the attack on the Pentagon. Yeah. Um the 10th anniversary is going to be a big, sad, sullen occasion. Yeah. You know, it seems like the last couple of years, it, it's been, you know, uh, it's September 11th, and this this is a time to stop and reflect for a moment, but it, I think it's all going to come barreling back on the 10th anniversary. Yeah. And yeah. I think people have been anticipating that. <clears throat> and the opening of the of the memorial, which we're going to talk about, has a lot to do with that, obviously. It does. It's uh, going to officially be dedicated and opened on September 11th, 2011. Pretty good timing. Uh, yeah. And then um, the museum, which we'll also talk about, will be open the following year, I think on September 11th, 2012. Man, that thing sounds pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I'm very excited about going to these. Me too. Um Maybe excited's not the right word. No, I'm excited I'm, about I'm going. looking forward to it. Yeah, there's nothing. It doesn't mean you're flippant about it. No. I'm right. excited to see them as well. Yeah. That's okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> Thanks. I get excited every time I go to those things. Yeah. It's a good place for remembrance, Josh. Yes, that's memorials <laughs> make an excellent spot for remembrance. Yes. Let's talk about the spot where the memorial, the World Trade Center Memorial, which, which is what we're talking about, is going to be situated. 
the original spot where the World Trade Center complex was situated. Yes. Uh, beginning uh, work started in the 60s and was completed in, I think, 1973 on the towers. I yes. think work for the whole World Trade Center complex wasn't completed until 1990. Yeah, 14 years. 14 years after the towers yeah, were, were completed. completed. So it was like 1987? Yeah, something, yeah. Yeah. That's about right. Um but tell me about the tell me about the spot, the World Trade Center spot. It was a very um, ambitious project. It was, Josh. Uh, seven buildings total, um, spanning sixteen acres. It's a lot of room, and each tower itself, I think, had a footprint of a, an acre. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, they had office space uh, to the tune of about uh, fifty thousand total workers, and about thirty-five thousand of those were uh, split among four hundred and thirty companies. Yep, in the buildings. It was ten million square feet of office space. That's a, that's incredible. It was. It was originally. Um, speaking of ambition, I read an article called "The Height of Ambition." It was a two thousand two New York Times article, and it's a required reading for anybody. It's yeah. really good. It's all about the construction. Cool. It's about the attacks. It's, it's a really w- comprehensive, great article. I'll have to check that but out. But they were saying like there there was no way they were going to go um, any less than ten million square feet. When they the decided to, they're like, that's it. We're doing 10 million. Wow. And that's so, that's such an enormous amount of office space yeah. that other real estate developers in the city were like, that's going to like imbalance the market. Yeah. It's so much. It's going to flood this place all at once. Yeah. I remember at the time, uh, you know, on September 11th, thinking that the death hole was going to be like yeah. 10, 20, 30,000 people. Because well, I knew how many people work there, right? And it would have been yeah. had it had the buildings not stayed up for um, an hour or so, right? Or had it been an hour or so later, right? <clears throat> Once people were all in there, yeah. Because you said there's uh, about fifty thousand people that worked at the World Trade Centers, um, and then there's a, another maybe um, seventy thousand, forty thousand to seventy thousand people. Uh, who commuted through because there was a subway station underneath, yeah, and a the mall. path train station, yeah, and a mall, and people coming to have lunch with like their husband or wife or whatever. So seventy thousand additional people pass through that that complex every day. Indeed, Josh. Uh, if we're talking size, we've got a couple of stats: the North Tower, um, the original World Trade Center One, mm-hmm. although there's a new one which we're going to talk about. Yeah, uh, thirteen hundred sixty-eight feet. Uh, and then 1,730 feet with its large antenna. And then the South Tower was about six feet shorter than the North Tower, which I thought found interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that was a, I wonder why they did that. Uh, maybe the bedrock was six feet, six feet lower uh, or yeah. something. It has maybe. to be something like that. I don't yeah. think it was, I'm sure they got to the final measurement and were like, you have to be kidding me. Right. Cause they were both 110 stories. It's not like yeah. WC. TC2 was shortchanged a floor. Right. Or a half floor. Yeah. 288,100 metric tons. Yeah. And each, it's, each one of them. It's tough to find comparisons for this, but um, it's, a Ford Explorer, These each one weighed about uh, equivalent to 172,000 Ford Explorers. That's heavy. That's yeah. That's a heavy building, and that's a lot of weight. And we'll we'll get to that weight and what happened to a lot of that weight coming up shortly too, yeah. right? Oh yeah. Uh, so one of the cool things that you found was uh, originally when they planned the towers, they didn't know what kind of sway that a person could take. Let's say if you're working on story mm-hmm. ninety, mm-hmm. 
like this tower swaying back and forth in the wind, what kind what that would do to people. Yeah, no one had ever, these were, when they were built, the tallest structures in the world. You can't just have office space up there that people are getting sick on because they're dizzy. Right. Because no one would rent it out. But they didn't know that, um, they didn't know, well, maybe somebody could take six feet of sway on either side. Right. They had no idea. Maybe people can take, like, almost no sway. So they, they had a guy in Eugene, Oregon, who was a, a psychologist, basically purchased an office building, put parts of it up on jacks, and, like, test people. He had them come in for eye exams. Right. But was really testing them to, to see how much sway they could put up with and found not much, like, a couple of inches either way. Yeah. After a couple of minutes of that, the people start freaking out, get dizzy, get nauseated. So they were like, you have to do something because your building's going to sway a lot more than this. That's right. And you can't have your tenants getting sick. So they uh, built in shock absorbers that prevented the sway. So I think most people know by now just from breakdown of the what happened with the collapse that it was an exoskeleton design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was connected with a, a core, steel core, connected it with a hat truss at the top. Yeah. So you had columns going out on the outside where they normally would have been put inside. Yeah. So that opened up much more office space. So the columns were on the outside and there's a steel core in the center, like you said, and it was connected by a hat truss that just fit over the top yeah. and connected everything to the center. So it just stabilized the whole thing. That's right. And it, it made it light, and, but very strong. Right. I think it was about 95% open air inside the building itself. Yeah. Which has a lot to do with why it collapsed. Yep. Um, there was a police station, Port Authority in New Jersey, uh, uh, New York and New Jersey had a police desk. Yep. They had its own, uh, they had their own zip code and eight dedicated mail carriers. Yeah, I couldn't, I, I'm sure it's still there. It has to be, the zip, it still has its own zip code, right? 10048? Yeah, I, th- I looked that up actually. I think they held on to that zip code, and s- to assign you know the new uh, World Trade Center complex that same zip code. If I'm not mistaken, I would hope so. This is a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but uh, yeah, eight postal carriers just for the WTC complex. Wow, like they worked within you know well, I guess it was 16 acres, but it's probably not as big as your usual beat in New York. I would say no, I wouldn't think so. Or route. No, I think they call it beats. That's just cops, though, isn't it? No. Cops and, pit and milk carriers. Milk carriers, okay. Um, Chuck, also these, um, just to give another idea of scale, uh-huh. um, there were each of the towers themselves, just the towers, had 99 elevators each. Uh, each one had um, almost, uh, well, uh, yeah, almost 22,000 windows. And apparently, you could have built a sidewalk, a standard sidewalk, I take it, from New York to Washington, D.C., with just the concrete used in just the towers. So these were massive, colossal structures. Just the towers. The whole complex itself yeah. was colossal. Yeah, yeah. But the tower, just the towers are uh, enough to like get the, the point across, you know? Well, and all you ever really hear about still is usually the WTC 1 and 2. Yeah. But all of the buildings were eventually raised, the whole complex. Right. Right. And um, we should also say that, you know, everybody kind of came on board. But in the beginning, there were very big detractors to the World Trade Center projects, including those real estate developers who were like, this is going to be a drain on the market. And one of the guys was named Lawrence Wien, who was an Empire State Building co-owner. Right. And he took out a full page ad in The New York Times that had a picture of one of the World Trade Center towers with a plane flying into it. 
to basically suggest that this was a hazard to air traffic, right? Right. And it, it actually almost came true in 1981 when an Aerolinas flight just narrowly missed the North Tower, but made off okay. It was safe. That's right. Yeah. Uh, in 1993, however, uh, there was the first attack on the World Trade Center. Uh, an Islamic uh, Islamist extremist group detonated about a thousand pounds of explosives in a, in a rented truck underneath the World Trade Center and killed six people, yeah. injured thousands, and they are included, which I thought was a classy move, in the World Trade Center memorial years yeah. later. Yeah, I never really considered that, but I thought it was a pretty nice thing to do. That that um, truck left half a football sized football field sized crater and it apparently rocked the whole building like you think well six people died it couldn't have been that big it was a huge blast oh yeah it was just in the wrong place right but they were trying to take the building down you know yeah from below so that um within a few days or weeks after um the february 1993 attack things were back to business as usual uh governor andrew cuomo was the first to move back into the office building right and things were just like i said business as usual until uh the morning of september 11th 2001 came yes peter it's don dealer down here four blocks north of the world trade center the second building that was hit by the plane has just completely collapsed the entire building has just collapsed as if a demolition team set off when you see the old demolitions of these old buildings it pulled it down on itself and it is not there anymore that should be it it has completely much, collapsed. The whole side has collapsed? The whole building has collapsed. So that pretty much speaks for itself, I yeah. think. Yeah. Where were you that morning? I had just gotten back from New York, actually. Yeah. I was there for a uh, vacation and a Radiohead concert and, um, in New Jersey. Or actually, it was uh, Liberty State Park. And flew home on September like the seventh or something. Well, so I was in it. Actually, I was living in L.A., but I flew back to Atlanta, and then got stuck in Atlanta. Oh yeah, for a little I bet while you got stuck in because you? everything was grounded. So mm-hmm. I was in my friend uh, Big John's warehouse and Big Country Boy, and he woke me up. Dude, get up here! Yeah, yeah, I remember that on. too. It was. Uh, it, it was like there. One of the towers has been hit, and you just right yeah. when I started watching CNN and figuring out what was going on. Right. I was like, this is not an accident. Yeah, I think both of us kind of came to that conclusion pretty quick, too. Yeah. So I, I hung out in his warehouse all day, and we watched it on TV, basically, and, yeah. you know, mourned. Yeah. I, and I have to say, like, it didn't sink in as hard um, then as it did when we were researching this for this podcast, man. Yeah. I was watching, just fi- finding that clip we just played. I watched... Uh, about like an hour of you yeah, know, as too. it happened coverage, and it was just re- it really drew me in and just depressed yeah. me like crazy. But yeah, like it, it got through to me finally after ten years. Like it's it really hit me how subs- how huge this is. Yeah, I, I, I plowed through a bunch of video this week too and last week, and it was uh, you know because I I hadn't researched it for a long time. Yeah. After probably since like 2003. Right. So there have been many years of not even really considering it much. And then all of a sudden it's all back on. Right. And coming up this September. And I think this being older too, especially for me being an older, you know, 10 years older. Yeah. It's, it's gotten through to me a lot more. Like, Yeah. God, how old are you? You were in your early 20s, mid 20s? I was like 25. God, that's crazy. 
Yeah. Just was, a pup. Yeah, 24, 25, something like that. Yeah. Long time ago. Just a little kid. So, Chuck, we mentioned um, how there could have been f- tens of thousands more people who could have died. Yeah. Had the buildings not stayed up. And there mm-hmm. were a couple of big questions uh, after the collapse of the World Trade Center towers. Um, number one, why did they fall? They didn't have to fall. Um, and number two, why didn't they just fall over immediately? And the answer to the second question is the design. Yeah. That exoskeleton connected to a central steel core by a hat truss mm-hmm. could have kept that thing up indefinitely. The reason they fell was a fatal flaw, right? Those steel columns that make up the exoskeleton yeah. tapered um, to, at the top because they had to support less weight, making the whole structure lighter, requiring less steel, right? So the the planes, when they flew into the higher floors, they were flying into steel columns that were only as thin as like a quarter inch across. Right. So they just severed them. Yeah. The problem is was the the... True fatal flaw is the heat from the fire, though. Yeah, I read a big article yesterday on this about this physicist um, basically explained how they came down to sort of rebut the idiots who say that it was a controlled demolition by the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. And, like, steel can't get that hot and melt and blah, blah, blah. And he explained the difference between heat and temperature. And I wish I was smart enough to relay that now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I, I would just advise just Google, like, why did they collapse? And there's a really good article on that. I right, it, so it's one of the first hits. For our purposes, we're going to take it on face value that the the heat from the raging fires um, created a, enough a high enough temperature that the steel, the thin enough steel melted, and the weight distribution throughout the exoskeleton was even further compromised. Yeah, until these things started going from. The, what the connection to the hat truss was snapped. Yeah, and then that was that. There was no support any longer. So these floors obviously could support the weight of the floors on top of them because they had been up since 1973. Right. They can support the static weight when the floors start collapsing on one another. Uh-huh. It becomes moving heavier weight, and it's created a domino effect essentially. Right. It just plowed right into the floors beneath and picked up more and more yeah. steam as it went. Apparently. The material from the highest floors, by the time they reached the ground, were traveling about 120 miles an hour. Yeah. And that could have been even faster, according to that physicist. And he said it, the fact that they fell straight down was uh, sensible and fortunate because they could have swayed and toppled over, which, yeah. you know, 110 stories falling to the left or to the right is going to take out, do a lot more damage, obviously. Well, the South Tower did do some damage. The North Tower came down almost completely in its footprint and it just compacted itself into this dense acre size square of debris that went from street level 70 feet underground to the bedrock and just filled its own footprint almost completely. Um, the, the other towers, um, three and seven were completely trashed. Um, tower six was still intact, but it had a huge chunk of the North Tower against it. Right. Um, Wasn't that the one they had to take out for those reasons? Yeah. Like, otherwise it might have been okay? That one they actually did demolish. Right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, So, yeah, the whole site kind of just became a loss. Um, There, I guess, an estimated 300,000 tons of scrap metal were generated. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Most of it sold to India and China. Yeah. Um, and there was a big hubbub. I didn't know this. Did you Did you hear about this when it happened? Yeah. Um, the mafia diverted like 255 tons of scrap metal <laughs> to its own junkyards for profit. Yeah. Um, and got caught pretty quickly because the FBI was on that case. But um, the uh, after that, they, there were I think a hundred thousand truckloads of debris trucked out to um, uh, the landfill in New Jersey, I believe. It's called Fresh Kill Landfill. Um, and uh, those all got police escorts after the FBI found out the mafia was diverting scrap metal. Right, obviously. Yeah. That's a good move. Uh, the cleanup was very quick. I remember at the time thinking that it happened way quicker than I thought it would. Well, yeah, they were, they were like, this is going to take a year, maybe two, maybe yeah, three. Exactly. Uh, and it took like a year and nine months. Yes. Uh, it also came in under budget. Uh, they thought it was going to cost a couple of billion dollars, and that was clearly overinflated because it only cost $650 million, mm-hmm. uh, to clean up, which is a lot of money, but nothing compared to two bill. No. A lot less. Yeah. Um, they did get a little criticism because they thought they kind of hurried the cleanup a little too much uh, considering the potential toxic materials found at the site. Yeah. A lot of people thought, you know, maybe we should take our time here, study this a little more, uh, see what's what we have to deal with before we start sending people down there. Well, one group called it the most the worst toxic site in our history. Did he mean nation's history? I don't know. It's a York. good question. Yeah. It could be nation New York world. I don't know. There is a lot of toxic stuff. Um for example, 200,000 pounds of lead. Yeah. Plus cadmium from the 50,000 PCs in the World Trade Center offices. Yeah. Right? Um mercury from the fluorescent lights, there are apparently about half a million fluorescent tube lights that all have mercury in them to yeah. work. Um, have you heard of polycystic aromatic hydrocarbons? I have not. They're apparently, um, they cause laryngeal cancer um, and a couple of other cancers, and they come from partially burned um, fossil fuels. Wow. What else, Chuck? Uh, asbestos, lots of asbestos, uh, benzene. Um, dioxin from oil and fuel. So not the kind of stuff you want to be breathing in. And, mm-hmm. and people found, you know, years afterward, were getting sick. A lot of the first responders getting sick and dying even. Yeah, the bass player from um, TV on the radio was a first responder, and he came down with cancer and uh, yeah. like in his late 30s or something and died. That's right. In, within the last year. I didn't... Did I know that he was a first responder? As, as what? What was his... Uh, what kind of responder was he? Do you know? I don't remember, but he was he was a first responder huh. to the to Ground Zero. Wow! Yeah. Hey everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch. Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next-generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one-time fee, or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income 
with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So they've uh, there was a uh, combined payout of $625 million dollars to some of the first responders and cleanup workers after a lawsuit was filed. And that was just, that was, they came to that settlement within the last like year or two, right? Yeah. They've been hammering that out forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there was the, uh, Zadroga bill, which is massive. $7.4 billion in compensation for everything from like economic impact to health. But there's a big, um, well, there's a big outcry because they didn't include cancer. Yeah, they couldn't find a definite link. Um, I mean, this is one of those where I say, throw it in there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> cover everything. Right. Apparently, yeah. that's not the case, though. Well, no, but it's left open so that it can be amended to include cancer later. Oh, really? Like, if somebody's like, here's your definitive right study on it that shows the link. But, apparently, the link is enough for people who are engaged in, like, personal litigation. Uh, they've been generally successful. In so just suing not, New York. Okay. Just not a class action kind of thing? Well, just not the Zadroga bill. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, no one died during the cleanup of the Ground Zero, which is pretty amazing considering what a dangerous place it was. You know, there were like huge voids that were covered up, you know, by things that, uh, you know, big gaps and holes that you could easily fall into. Yeah. Like, you know, those tiger traps? Yeah. Where it's just kind of covered with a little bit of twigs or leaves. Yeah. There were like 70 foot drops that looked like they were stable, solid rubble or whatever. But yeah, there's a picture of a huge earth mover like sliding down. Yeah. Uh, with a guy in it, like, oh my God. Yeah, I'm really surprised no one died during that cleanup. Yeah. 60 men died building the thing. Wow, that was the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that brings us, Josh, to 10 years later. The 9-11 Memorial and Museum, which we both said we're excited to go see because it's a pretty amazing design. To me, they hit all the right notes. And a lot of people have complained about uh, the actual building, the new World Trade Center 1, uh, has been beaten up pretty badly in the press. A lot of people think they should have just mimicked the original Twin Towers, mm-hmm. except maybe a little higher as like a show of our strength as Americans. Right, with the... Giant bird on the top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With Donald Trump on top, <laughs> right. licking the bird. But uh, Trump was one of the ones, actually, who who hates the new uh, WTC1. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, 
Well, originally it was called the Freedom Tower, yeah. which s- could not smack of the Bush era more. Yeah, they changed that. That or um, World War II when we started calling French fries Freedom Fries. Right. Was that World War II? Yeah. And that came about again after this? Or yeah, something? yeah. And then also um, sauerkraut was called Liberty Cabbage. <laughs> That's just crazy jingoistic, you know? Wow, yeah. Uh, so, like I said, Trump is, is not a big fan of the design he, he or the architect who designed WTC1, the new one. What's his name? Daniel, um, oh, Daniel Liebskind. Was that him? He's been much battered. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel bad for the guy, you know? He's trying to, trying to do a good job, I'm sure. Yeah. It is going to be the tallest building in the U.S. after it's completed at a symbolic height of 776 feet. 1,700. 1,700, so yeah. 1776, obviously. Right. For the, you know, USA. All the way. How do you mean? 1776. (laughs) It's a very important date in our history. And uh, all the buildings are going to be done between 2012 and 2016. And uh, WTC1 is right now at the 80th floor, which is, they're they're close to done. How many floors is it going to be? Did you say? Um, I think, well, part of what people are complaining about is the top third of this building is mm-hmm. just hollow space. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people complained about that. So I don't know how many actual floors. They may be pretty close then, huh. if they're at the 80th floor now. Yeah. And uh, I think they've concreted up to the 72nd floor, glassed it up to the 53rd. So it's and coming then, along. And then 7 World Trade Center was um, opened in 2006. That's already there. Oh, really? Yeah. But the one that's that's being dedicated, um, well, in a few days by the time this thing comes out, is the World Trade Center Memorial, right? Yes. There have been a couple of other memorials, like the Sphere, which is a Fritz Koenig um, sculpture that was just iconically associated with um, the World Trade Center. was found in the rubble. Yeah. It basically dusted off and put in Battery Park with an eternal flame. Yes. And then there was Tribute and Lights, which are the two beams. Anybody who's ever seen Spike Lee's 25th Hour yeah. is familiar with those. Um, and those are brought out every year. That's really cool looking. It is. Very cool. It's like um, 44. Each tower is made up of 44 yeah. um, xenon searchlights focused into a single column yeah. that just shoots right up into space. I wonder if they're going to do that still. <clears throat> yeah, I wonder too. I, they should do that every year. I agree. Just for that one day, you know? Yeah. I think it'd be cool. But they, you know, to get a more permanent exhibit, um, a design competition was held in 2003 by the Lower Manhattan Development Corporation, right? Yes. And uh, it was international. So people from all over the world submitted designs, like a ton of them. Yeah, 63 countries in total. 5,201 submissions. Mm-hmm. And the guy who won for the memorial went to Tech. That's right. Georgia Tech. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And he was working as a uh, New York City Housing Authority architect uh, until he won. And then I imagine he's making a little bit more money now at uh, yeah. Handel Architects mm-hmm. as a partner. Yeah, his name's Michael Arid. That's how to get a job, a partnership, pretty quick in an ar- as an architect, I think. Well, that's how to make your career. Look at, like, Maya Lin, yeah. who did the Vietnam Memorial, was the first thing she ever did as a student oh, really? at Yale, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, have you ever seen the documentary on her? Uh-uh. Very neat. How'd she come up with the idea? She talks all about it. Like, the first third of the documentary is about that and, like, what she went through. Right. Um, like, there's a big problem that she was Asian, you know. Um, sure. That kind of thing. Um, but... I- 
I don't remember. I don't remember if it just came to her or what, but she talks about it. I mean, that was perfect in its simplicity. Totally. It is perfect. Yeah. But it was very much taken the wrong way, as I think there's always a group of people who take a memorial the wrong way. Although, and I think Michael Aird's been criticized, but I don't think anybody's like, this is a, a smack in the face to the people who died. And Yeah, I think it sounds pretty amazing. Tell them about it. Well, the centerpiece, it's going to... Um, the memorial itself, there's a museum underneath, underground, which we'll get to, but the memorial plaza is uh, about eight acres of what will be forest land mm-hmm. um, with the two original footprints of the World Trade Center towers are now uh, intact as fountains, waterfalls. Yeah, the world's largest waterfalls. 52,000 gallons of water, I think, per minute Yeah, flow through these things. And they're these huge, massive, almost acre-sized squares, like you said, that are just fill in the footprints yeah. of the of the World Trade Centers. Um, and they're just amazing looking. They're, they're, uh, we can't really describe them any better than that because they're that simple. But unless you see a rendering of them or yeah. there's some really cool architectural animations of them too, uh-huh. um, they're just, they just take your breath away. Yeah. And they're, the, the memorial um, that Arid designed is called Reflecting Absence. Um, and the, the whole point is to just kind of show we're missing something here. Yeah. And we're always going to be missing something here. Yeah, that's why I thought it was such a brilliant design. It was not some, I don't know, it just made sense. You know, why build something up when you can say so much more by creating these two big voids? And then the water flowing, it's all very symbolic, you know, the recirculating water and uh, living, you know, breathing life into the city and the trees or, I think, sweet gums and uh, oaks, white oaks. Yeah, swamp white oaks are, there's going to be like 400 of them on the plaza. Yeah. And the plaza was designed by, um, Peter Walker and partners from Berkeley, um, in conjunction with Michael Arad. I think that was the submission where these two people jointly coming up with this plan. And he was like, I am the landscape architect. Right. I need some help. Yeah. Uh, or vice versa, you know. Yeah, maybe so. Um, but Peter Walker came up with this idea to use suspended paving systems to uh-huh. support the white oaks because, um, an urban, an urban tree or a tree in an urban forest like this, they don't live that long. Right. Um, but, and the reason why is because the soil becomes too compacted. You have to have paving for people to walk around on. Right. So what they came up with was a suspended paving system, which uses like columns and beams, like a grid, to create this hollow space that will support pavement, but will also allow roots to go through. Yeah. So these trees, these swamp white oaks, should thrive and live like many, many decades longer than ones that you know are just planted wherever along the street. That's right, and they could potentially get up to about 60 feet tall, kind of creating a, a canopied park. So that was one of the things they wanted was was a quiet place, sort of a retreat from the city where you feel like you're sort of insulated from, from the rest of the city Yeah, and the noises of the city. And the Swamp White Oaks also, Chuck, are going to be brought in um, from all over the, the area of New York, but also from places around... Um, where 90, Flight 93 went down in Pennsylvania yeah. and uh, in the D.C. area. So yeah. you're going to have trees from other 9-11 impacted areas brought. Yeah, in. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I read an article on the um, the family who's um, supplied the trees, basically, for the project. Really? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, and then also around the Reflecting Absence Memorial, they're going to have um, basically a bronze wall with the names of all nearly 3,000 victims 
1993 and 2001 attacks on the yes. World Trade Center um, cut into them. Yeah, so you can do the little uh, uh, charcoal rubbings on paper if you want. They mm-hmm. shine light through them at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're grouped together by uh, either where they died or where they worked, or if there was a special request to group people like uh, with friends of theirs that worked in the building that they've done that too that's cool so that's kind of cool yeah um and then probably the most noticeable feature within this little urban forest um is going to be a glass building that's that forms the atrium or the entryway to the memorial museum that's right uh and the most noticeable feature of that are going to be these two steel tridents which um made up the the, yeah they made up the the uh the exterior that that exoskeleton Mm -hmm. Um, the the apparently went up, and then at this at the seventy feet mark, the seventh story, uh, they split into three, and then they supported steel beams that went all the way up to the top of the building. Right, so those things were left standing, I think, on the north tower. Um, so they took those off to Kennedy with a bunch of other artifacts and kept them in a hangar, and now they've been returned to the site, and they built the atrium around these two things. Yeah, they used a lot of uh, of pieces of the World Trade Center in the museum itself. Yeah. To partially just, you know, remind people and then also to show, again, show scale of, you know, I think the tridents themselves are close to 100 feet tall. Yeah, nine, I think 90. Yeah. Because they, they branch at the 70-foot mark and they go up to, like, the 90-foot feet mark. So, um, And then also, Chuck, the the museum itself is largely underground. Yeah. Um, and they're in the footprints of the World Trade Center towers and parts around them. But basically, the whole thing's set up to give you an underground view of how incredibly massive these buildings were. Yeah. By leaving, like, the concrete footings, any steel supports that they can um, intact. Yeah. And then just, all, and I guess, playing off the vastness of the space. Yeah, that had to do with the museum and the, the design up top, too, it was... I think you can, in the museum down below, you can stand in between the two footprints still. Yeah. And uh, they've created a lot of just open space, it seems like. Right. But then there's also, like, at the at the corners of the footprints, there's maybe, like, some, I think there's a aluminum-clad volumes, is what right. they're called, to basically give this kind of ghost outline of the building, so to, to give you an even better idea of their scale. Um and all this is underground, like we said. The the plaza actually above serves as a green roof to the museum. Yeah. Um, and you go through the atrium, and then you to to get to the museum itself underground, you go through um, you go down a ramp, um, and that's very symbolic of the ramp that was used to clean out the Ground Zero site. Right. It was used during construction of the original towers. Um, so it's it's kind of like throwing you back in time and during the construction and the cleanup. Um, which, you know, really marks the, the history of this site, those two things. Yeah, there's a couple of other notable uh, aspects to the museum that they're going to have are the survivor stairs, uh, which, uh, if you Google that, I mean, they're pretty famous. They were uh, one of the sets of stairs that, you know, it said hundreds, but I would imagine maybe even thousands of people used mm-hmm. to escape. It was like one of the only ways out. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, along uh, World Trade Center 6, I think. So in 2008, it was uh, lowered down into the site again for its, you know, final resting place there in the museum. Right. And the other big thing is the last column in the west chamber of the museum. It's going to house this. And it was returned to the site. You might remember the last column was where it was one of the last things standing, obviously, and that's where people uh, decorated uh, this column with, with memories of their loved ones and 
and have you seen this person, that kind of thing. Right. They're also going to have the slurry wall in there, which was surprisingly oh, yeah. intact. They, it, was, it was an original huge wall that they built to keep the Hudson from flooding it. Yeah. And after the attacks, after the collapse of the building, this wall was just standing there. It didn't have any support, but it was still keeping the Hudson out. So they reinforced it and rebuilt it, but they took a 62 by 64 foot section of the slurry wall, and it's going to make up a significant part of the museum itself. That's huge, man. This must be enormous under there. Yeah. Because, I mean, beyond all these huge elements, they have all the, the void open space. Yep. So uh, I'm very much impressive. looking forward to going to that. Um, we I think we skipped over the Memorial Glade um, in the park above uh, the museum. There is a section called the Memorial Glade, which is going to be an open area where the, they'll have, like, ceremonies and, and things like that. And I think that's surrounded by sweet gums, which should be autumn red on September 11th, Yeah, is what they say. Nice. They plan it that way, at least. Uh, the museum itself, like the exhibits that they're going to have, they're going to have permanent exhibits of artifacts from, you know, the cleanup, from the rescue, from the attacks. Yeah. Um, personal Both stories. Pre-attack, too, I think they're going to have, yeah. obviously, some, I'm sure they're going to have some information on that. Sure, the, like the construction and all that. Yeah, and then probably the people who did it, I imagine there'll be some information there. Yeah, um, and also they're going to have some stuff on uh, the D.C. and Pittsburgh uh, losses, or not Pittsburgh, but Pennsylvania losses. But there's um, a very controversial uh, exhibit that's going to be added. It looks like it's going to be added as far back as, um, or as recently as April. That's as far back as I can find any press. I I found something more recently. I think it is. It's gonna. They're Uh going forward with it. Yeah. Well, um, there, there were there were a lot of um, human remains found. Right. Uh, and a lot of them were put together and said, you know, this is this person, this belonged to this person. Mm-hmm. Um, but very, after a while, like the matches ran out. Um, and the medical examiner still has, uh, over 9,000 pieces of human remains. And the last match was made in 2009. So they're kind of losing hope that they're ever going right. to be able to identify who they belong to. Yeah. And a lot of people are unidentified at this point. Well, a lot of the families of the 41% of the victims who haven't been identified are saying, keep trying. Don't stop. Right. Medical examiner and the, um, people who, uh, are running the museum are saying, no, we have a better place for them. Why don't we put them in the museum? Right. And they have it planned to, to put them behind a quote from Virgil um, that says, no day shall erase you from the memory of time. And the letters themselves are going to be made of World Trade Center steel. Yeah. Um, but there, uh, you know, a lot of people find this ghoulish and ghastly, like you can't put human remains on display. And in this article in the New York Times, they interviewed a lot of curators who were like, it depends, you know, like you right. can't just put human remains in a museum. You're not supposed to do that. But if it's a, a memorial on the site of an atrocity, like Auschwitz has lots of human remains. Right. Um, the uh, the Khmer Rouge Museum has all sorts of human remains. So this is museum-wise speaking appropriate, but really, I mean, it's up to your, you know, what you think is morally acceptable or not. Yeah, I think I mean, from what I read, most of the upset comes from the fact that they were underground in the museum and they were supposedly told that they were going to be uh kept in a in a tomb right in the park above ground right and away from tourists like yeah. this this plan is to put them right in the exhibit like here's some of the remains of the victims right but there would be tour i mean i i guess there would be tourists up top as well but mm. right 
I mean, I see their difference, though. Yeah, no, there's a big difference for sure. Yeah. But I think just about everybody agrees they should be kept on the site somewhere. It's just in what capacity. Right. Chuck, let's say I have a hundred bucks sitting around and I'm like, I want to contribute to this memorial. What can I do? You can buy a cobblestone. I can. Uh, I was a little disappointed to see that the cobblestones weren't engraved because that's usually what you do. Yeah. There's a website that links your cobblestone to your name. So it's not an actual engraved cobblestone. But uh, you can still donate a hundred bucks. That'll get you a cobblestone on the path of the the plaza itself. Uh, Five hundred dollars will get you a cobblestone on the memorial glade mm-hmm. that we told you about, and a thousand bucks will get you one a granite paver that will uh, be a walkway to the memorial itself. And that is at nine one one memorial dot org slash donations. And I imagine you can just donate. Period. If you want. Sure. Yeah. Or, you know, you'll get your cobblestones, but if that's not important to you, then it's probably a good, good cause, I would say. Yep. And if you're going to be in New York this September 11th, um, the September 11th memorial will officially open that day. And if you're going to be in New York September 11th, 2012, the Memorial Museum is expected to be open then. Yeah, there, there people like are shooting video of the, the waterfalls being tested and stuff out of their office window. And yeah. It's um, pretty amazing. Yeah. So um, we've got a couple of articles on the site. We have how the World Trade Center worked, just, mm-hmm. or I guess the World Trade Center is what it's called. Um, and it's very comprehensive. I think Tom Harris wrote it, so you can type in World Trade Center. And that should also bring up uh, how the World Trade Center memorial works. Yes, it's which is article. coming soon, right? It, it'll be up by the time this comes out. So. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Um, and again, if you want to learn more about the memorial, you can go to 911memorial.org, um, and you can donate there too. And, uh, is that it? I think this is our 911 podcast. We've been asked by a bunch of people to do one, and, uh, in, unless we're inspired to actual, you know, actually go over the, the grisly details, I would say this will serve I that concur. purpose. You concur? Yeah. I don't know if I want to do that one. Yeah. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. 
Millions of people have made the switch to Nick Sleek Proof Underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine washable, and great looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. That's it. All right. You want to send us an email? We'd love to hear from you. Send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today.